topic of our Adama talk uh, this evening is uh, the hindrances with a special emphasis on the hindrance of skeptical doubt. And uh, what we shall do is cover quite a number of aspects uh, that certainly concern the hindrances and in particular the hindrance of uh, skeptical doubt. If I think of my notes on the hindrances over the years, they've become thicker and thicker and thicker, and there's more and more (laughs) to be added there. And certainly when preparing for this topic, then there was a realization, oh, this aspect could be added, another aspect could be added. uh, the hindrances uh, are actually quite an interesting uh, topic. Now, as a retreatant, especially during the first few days of a uh, retreat, when attacked by this or that hindrance, or maybe even you know, having to face a multiple hindrance attack, one might, or this might not feel, or it might not be all that pleasant. Sure enough, fair enough. But I hope that in the course of this talk, our relationship to the hindrances will change to some extent. Now, the hindrances do occur, regularly occur in our meditation practice, and they occur only during meditation practice, would that be correct to say? Not at all. The hindrances can occur even during daily life. And I think it was Epstein, an American psychologist, who's written a small pamphlet on the hindrances and the married life. So even there, in that field, they tend to arise. Now, when a group of retreatants uh, starts a retreat on the same day and uh, also ends the retreat on uh, more or less on, uh, um, on a scheduled uh, day, uh, then uh, the arising of the hindrances becomes pretty obvious because on day, for some day two, for some on day three, four, you know, five, the hindrances will clearly you know, be reported on. And certainly, so during the hindrance, during the interviews, you know, this certainly then you know, cannot go unnoticed. One realizes, oh, this retreatant is complaining about the hindrances, another one is complaining about the hindrances, and so on and so forth. Now, to understand the nature of the hindrances, we shall first and take a look at some of, or mention some of the illustrations, some of the similes that have been given in uh, this context in the text. Possibly the uh, most significant certain simile is that of a traveler at a crossroads who cannot make up his or her mind. 
which path to take. Should I follow this road or that road? And so what this means, or when applied to our meditation practice, a retreat and then might certainly be uh, affected by or assaulted by questions such as, is this meditation method correct or not? Should I go along with this form of practice or maybe not? Now, the Anguttara Nikaya, in its fifth volume, section 193, compares certain of the hindrances to water that certainly then occurs in different conditions. So the illustration given for the hindrance of greed is, or saints' desire to be more accurate, is certain water mixed with manifold colors. The illustration given for the hindrance of ill will is certainly that of boiling water. And then water which is covered by mosses is certainly given as an illustration for the hindrance of sloth and torpor, the third hindrance. And then the fourth hindrance is classically restlessness and remorse. And certainly the simile for this is water that is whipped up by the wind. There you go. So, water that is agitated and whipped up by the wind. Now, the f- last certain hindrance is certainly that of doubt. Skeptical doubt, to be more precise. And certainly, do you also remember it near the illustration that the Buddha has given in this regard? Dark water, yes, close. Turbid water. So, turbid, dark, muddy water. And certainly, if a person were to use a bowl of full of water and then to see his or her reflection on the surface of that water. And in one case the water is mixed with various colors, in another case the water is boiling, in a third case it is covered by mosses, then agitated by wind, and the water in the last case being turbid and muddy, then in all five cases it will be very difficult to see one sudden reflection. Now, that same passage from the Anguttara Nikaya also mm, ties in the attempt of a Brahmin to recite hymns that he has learned long time ago. So, what do you think? 
when trying to recite certain some verses, Pali verses, English verses, some poem, some song, the text of a song, and the mind is overwhelmed by the hindrance of sense desire, then will it be easy to remember those certain verses? Not so easy. And same thing goes when one is totally upset, angry, in a rage, just about to explode. One might not even want to recite certainly anything at all. So, this comparison with a Brahmin who is trying to remember verses learned a long time ago, and Satna then in the connection with the hindrances is actually something that Satna one can experience for oneself when one has when one has this habit of reciting text. When the mind is free of the hindrances, it will be easy to recite a text that has been learned a long time ago. But when this or that hindrance is prevalent, is even quite predominant in the mind, then it will be a very difficult thing to do. Now, not only this. The Buddha states, in connection with these various illustrations, that... A person who is overwhelmed by one or the other hindrance will not know his or her own good, nor will know the good of others, nor the good of both oneself and others. So one will not see what is in the end for one's own benefit or the benefit of others or both. Now, there's yet another illustration that has been given in the context of the hindrances, and in particular the hindrance of skeptical doubt, and this is once again that of a traveler who travels on a road infested by robbers and bandits and then obviously is frightened. So a meditator then will be a meditator filled with doubt will also be frightened. And when walking down that certain road will always have second thoughts, well, will a robber come and attack me? And when a person comes walking along that road from the opposite direction, then the question will arise in one's own mind, is this a decent person or is this one of those famous robbers that others are talking about? So if finally our traveler has reached the destination, 
and nothing has happened, then the fear will fall away and suddenly the traveler will be quite happy and suddenly peaceful. So this illustration highlights an important aspect in connection with the hindrance of doubt, namely doubt might easily arise in connection with fear. And there's certainly at least one passage in the text, and I'll mention it later on, that certainly uh, describes just this. Now, by now, it should be pretty clear that a mind that is overwhelmed by a hindrance is not in a proper working condition. It will be impaired to some extent. It will not be able to function properly. And this particular aspect is nicely illustrated you know, in you know, or by way of comparing the five hindrances with mm, mm, gold that is impaired, you know, that is polluted by various other metals such as iron, copper, tin, lead and silver. And silver being you know, the example for um, doubt. So, when a mind, or when gold is impaired by those various metals, then it certainly will not be pliant, wieldy, radiant, and uh, firm, and it certainly cannot be wrought well. So it will be difficult you know, to turn it into a piece of jewelry. Likewise, you know, when the mind is afflicted by one or two or all of you know, the hindrances, then you know, such a mind you know, will not certainly be pliant, wieldy, radiant and firm and cannot be worked with that well. Now, with this, we know that there are five hindrances. The first one is certainly the hindrance of sense desire, Gama Chanda Nivarana in the Pali scripture language. The second one is certainly the hindrance of ill will, Bhyapada Nivarana. The third one is the hindrance of sloth and torpor, Tinamida Nivarana. And certainly then as number four, you know, we have the double hindrance of restlessness and certainly remorse or you know, worry. And the last one is certainly skeptical doubt. Now, when it comes to the nature 
unfortunately these hindrances they are frequently spoken about or spoken of as defilements of the mind which weaken the mind so they do not strengthen your mind but rather weaken them now this isn't you know, there's several passages in you know, the text that uh, ascribe you know, to this particular you know, point here now we can validate this aspect with our own meditation practice namely when in our own meditation practice we have to deal with the hindrances again and again what happens to our mind when it gets tired but over time hmm? agitated yes but if we keep working with the hindrances and we achieve a state of absence of the hindrances then then it gets steady steady what else it becomes strong so you can see the hindrances as uh, challenges in your practice and in the face of a challenge you have to well gather all of your mental strength in order to meet those hindrances and then to overcome them if you don't gather your mental strength well you're bound to lose out so if you keep dealing or, or tackling the hindrances time and again the ultimate certain result is that the mind is going to get stronger and so in the uh, absence of uh, you know, the hindrances or having overcome you know, you know, the set of certain hindrances then you know, the mind is likely you know, to be uh, fortified now those certain or the set of five hindrances we are likely to uh, experience not only in inside certain meditation practice of vipassana practice but also in samatha meditation and in the samatha meditation so meditation of calm they tend to hinder the um, development of uh, of concentration neighborhood certain concentration as well as full concentration and in terms of the pasna meditation they tend to hinder um, the arising of uh, liberating wisdom So whether we like it or not, when engaging in Buddhist meditation, both forms of Thutna Buddhist meditation, we will have to face those hindrances. Now, not only have Thutna the hindrances been 
referred to as defilements which weaken the mind, but they have also been referred to as states that block or prevent or even overwhelm the arising of wholesome states of consciousness. They further have been referred to as uh, um, blocking, stopping, preventing the wisdom eye from arising, as well as from the happiness of Nibbana from taking place. They've been referred to as obstacles, as sudden well as fetters, and sudden then as makers of blindness. Now, as Sapna briefly mentioned earlier on, they tend to hinder the proper functioning of the mind. So they interfere with how the mind is, uh, uh, or with the normal modus, um, modus of operation of the mind. Now, the question has been asked already within this, within the first few days of this retreat. Well, how do I recognize the hindrance of skeptical doubt? In an answer to this, allow me to quote the various synonyms given in the Dhamma Sangani for the, for, for the mental state of doubt. Namely, doubt is, uh, um, this particular mental state can also be referred to as perplexity, as uncertainty, as being in two minds, as indecisiveness, as inability to make up one's mind, as an inability to come to a definite decision, and furthermore as vacillation, as hesitation, as wavering, as mental stiffness caused by indecision, even vexation of the mind. Now, this doubt might even be referred to as distrust. Now, when we speak of Fatna doubt, 
we do we mean skeptical doubt an ethically unwholesome doubt and not methodical doubt or logical doubt about something so it's not certain the doubt whether tomorrow it's going to rain or not but rather the skeptical doubt from a spiritual point of view doubt having doubt in the Buddha the Dhamma and Satna the training Dhamma Sangha and Satna the training now classically doubt is defined as having the characteristic of doubting its function is to waver so the mind goes here and there and its manifestation as is as in decisiveness and as taking various sides and the proximate cause is certainly given as unwise attention and uh, doubt is certainly said to be accompanied or to arise together with delusion moha and one antidote to the doubt would be and we will talk about this certainly later on in uh, in the course of the talk um, is the enlightenment factor of investigation of states now the manifestation of doubt as indecisiveness we can experience this in our own meditation practice in a very direct manner namely let's say in the case of a new retreatant who never meditated intensively before so such a retreatant finds suddenly himself or herself in a retreat like our retreat and suddenly sits there sits quietly follows the instructions but the mind is overcome by questions such as why are these people not talking why are they not looking at each other this is weird have I really signed up for this maybe not and maybe it's better if I go back home and do something else or it might be uh, better if I leave this retreat and go and do some uh, trekking here in the mountains let's say Lake Williams is not far from here so those and and then maybe an hour later or a day later when the practice uh, when this Satna retreat and remembers to be mindful and suddenly the practice then comes along nicely and let's say some wholesome mental states arise then the same retreat and might think wow this practice is really far out I will stay and no matter what and so now then in the course 
of just a day or two, you find how the mind goes from one extreme to the other. The extreme from the extreme from considering to leave the retreat to the extreme of uh, staying. And Satna, this is Satna very common. So please, Satna, do know that uh, not every form of doubt is unwholesome. So there are you know, being doubtful about certain uh, dubitable you know, things, the Buddha very much encourages certain uh, this. He very much encourages inquiry, but um, it is the skeptical doubt that certain uh, uh, is considered you know, to be unwholesome. Now, in the suttas itself, we find at least two or three you know, discourses that do speak of doubt. In one discourse, namely the second discourse of the Majjhima Nikaya, we have um, a description of a doubt certain full person who then unwisely attends to, which means brings unwise attention to questions such as, was I in the past? Was I not in the past? What was I in the past? How was I in the past? And then, Mm, shall I be in the future? Shall I not be in the future? What shall I be in the future? How shall I be in the future? And suddenly then, am I or am I not? What am I? How am I? And things like this. Or there is the Bea Berawa Sutta, namely the discourse on fear and dread. And Satna, that discourse, contains a passage that Satna describes the Buddha before his gaining supreme enlightenment. So when he was still a Bodhisattva, Buddha-to-be, and Satna then over, um, and then practicing in a forest, in a remote forest, Forest certain uh, place, forest certain uh, thick or dense certain forest certain thicket, and on occasion uh, he would hear the sound of some animal mm, coming by and making some uh, noises, and then immediately um, a fear would arise. And the Buddha uh, then trained himself to 
overcome you know, this fear by facing the fear in whatever position or whatever posture it would occur. So he would face down you know, the fear you know, if it occurred in the standing posture or in the walking posture or in the you know, sitting posture or lying posture. And then in that same sutta he, dis- he continues to explain that Brahmins and contemplatives who would practice in a deep and in a dense forest thicket would experience Beya and Beerava, namely fear and dread, owing to certain circumstances, namely owing to the arising of various mental states, unwholesome mental states. And such as sloth and torpor, such as certain desire, such as ill will, and also because of being uncertain, uncertain and doubting. So it is in the presence of generally stating of mental defilements that fear and dread can arise and in particular because of fitness skeptical doubt. Now the Chetokila Sutta again from the Majimanikaya volume 1 section 101 says here Bikur, Bikuni, or lay retreatant, is doubtful, uncertain, undecided, and unconfident about the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, and the training. So, there are several passages that do speak about Satna doubt. And Satna, these passages highlight various Satna aspects. Now, as a retreatant, how do we, or to add to what was certainly mentioned earlier on, how could certainly we experience certainly this certainly doubt? Well, so questions about, should I stay or should I go? Should should I continue to practice in you know, this Mahasi tradition of Vipassana meditation or should I maybe go and sit you know, a retreat in a different tradition, maybe in the tradition of Fatnagoenka or you know, some other you know, well-known meditation teacher. Or you know, questions about you know, the teacher, questions about Satna. Uh, well, the place, the fellow yogis, and certainly so on, might certainly come up. Now, this is not certain, or these are not the only cases of how doubt might arise. If we think carefully about certain, uh, skeptical doubt as an occurrence in our meditation practice, then 
at times we might experience or have experienced you know, the following. So we observe predominant objects and suddenly then we realize that these predominant objects fall into two categories, namely being either of a physical nature or of a mental nature. This much uh, we can acknowledge. But then the question comes, what is the cause for those physical and mental formations? And then the questions that Sotnev might follow are, is there some supreme being here in control? Is there or is there not? What, what do you think? There's not. Well, if a supreme being is not in control, what about ourselves? Today's society is pretty, you know, pretty in individualistic, so then I must be in control. Is that the case? Be, uh, Jim, what do you think? Don't pick on me. <laughs> <laughs> so, that question then remains, who is in control? Am I in control? Am I the one who determines what happens in my meditation practice? Am I the one who determines how my rising and falling is going to be like or not? So, this certain particular form of doubt, of skeptical doubt, is bound to arise as part of our meditation practice as part of the unfolding of the insight knowledges. It happens at a very particular place in our practice. And more on this later on. Now, as mentioned early on, skeptical doubt is an unwholesome mental state. It is and based on delusion-rooted consciousness, it does arise together with seven, the seven universal mental factors, namely contact, feeling, volition, and perception, volition, one-pointedness, life faculty, and attention. And uh, it might also arise together with initial application of the mind, vitaka, as well as the sustained application of the mind, plus energy, and satna, then the four unwholesome universals. Now, what might be some of the results of satna, the arising and the presence of doubt in our own meditation practice. Now, to cite a passage from the Chetukila Sutta, namely the discourse on the wildernesses of the heart. And so it is a discourse that Sapna talks about various doubt in the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, and in the training, plus anger. 
anger, aversion towards one's fellow um, companions in the spiritual mind. And that discourse then states a mind that is, or in which doubt uh, has arisen, does not incline to ardor, devotion, perseverance, and striving. So, if you're full of doubt, how can you apply yourself wholeheartedly to the job you're working on? So, that's uh, impossible. So, the usual experience is when strong and long-lasting doubt is there, it really drains our energy and in particular it drains our intention, our volition to apply ourselves. And so our energy, our effort will be clearly affected. Now, Earlier on, one point was mentioned already, namely stiffness of the mind. When doubt suddenly is prevalent, then the mind will be stiff and it cannot work properly. Can you think of other results of suddenly the presence of doubt in your own practice? Is that all? Agitation. Agitation. Uh, yes, that's uh, it's a good point. What else? Hesitation. 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 Yes, correct. And uh, what about doubt and faith? Self-doubt. Self-doubt will be there. So in certain faith then will be possible or not? Not. There you go. So, uh, we can state that when much skeptical doubt is present in the mind, then faith or confidence or trust cannot arise in the stream of consciousness. Now, the mental factor of doubt is uh, usually, as we've seen, oftentimes manifests in the form of questions. Am I? Am I not? Should I stay? Should I not stay? Is this working or not? Am I having progress or not? Maybe not. And so, so um, doubts oftentimes goes along with a lot of thinking. And in the presence of much thinking unrelated to what is actually going on in one's certain practice, it will be very difficult to observe the predominant objects. So just know you know, this connection between the presence of the hindrance of skeptical doubt and you know, you know, the presence of or the result of uh, consequence. You know, in the form of uh, not much thinking, and the thinking then in turn will mm, hinder the unfolding of our meditation practice. Now, 
from an experiential point of view, we could further say that doubts, when doubt is suddenly present, then, or sorry, when we do not apply ourselves wholeheartedly to the practice, and we don't observe carefully, etc., maybe also you know, an unskillful attitude is there, then we are likely to have unclear experiences. So nothing is clear-cut. And those unclear experiences, if they keep occurring day after day, will then naturally lead to the arising of doubt. So to better understand this, if you have a retreatant who applies himself or herself wholeheartedly to the practice and does this with a skillful, helpful attitude, such kind of a retreatant is likely to have unclear or clear experiences. Clear experiences. If you keep having clear experiences day after day, now then what will arise? Doubt or faith? Faith. There you go. So you you keep having clear-cut experiences. You realize, wow, this is really working. In my experiences are pretty much in line with what the Nadama says. Naturally, faith arises. So unclear experiences have a tendency to lead on to the arising of doubt. And satna, this satna then means that satna, uh, faith cannot arise. So just be aware of satna, uh, these kind of satna connections. Now, the Chetokilatna Sutta further states and that's so it's the same discourse as certainly mentioned as referred to earlier on. Oh retreatants, that any retreatant who has not abandoned the five wildernesses in the heart, namely doubt and Buddha Dhamma Sangha in the training and anger, and not severed the five shackles in the heart should come to growth to increase in fulfillment in this Dhamma and discipline, that is impossible. Now, let's say, if we are greatly afflicted by doubt, then would running away from it be a proper solution? Would that be the way to go? It's not. So packing oneself things and running away, escape, is not the answer. The answer is, uh, and maybe to elaborate on this, if we don't face the doubt during a retreat, we are likely to carry this doubt along with us back home, and we will have to face it there sooner or later. So, 
So trying to you know, overcome doubt by distracting you know, oneself, uh, let's say you know, by indulging in food or you know, what you know, not, all of you know, those certain you know, things will not work. Doubts as a hindrance tends to arise at very specific places in our meditation practice, namely typically during the first insight knowledge, also or possibly also during the second insight knowledge, more on this later on, then again during the third insight knowledge, then later on during the tenth insight knowledge. And there's also a place where the end of doubt takes place. Now, having explained this much on the hindrances in general and the hindrance of skeptical doubt in particular, the next thing then that needs to be explained is how to overcome skeptical doubt as a hindrance. How do we deal with it? And what would you recommend based on your own meditation practice? So running away, going home doesn't help. Attention. Uh, attention. You mean mindfulness? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Anything else? <coughs> Turning around and facing it. Turning around and facing it, yes, good. Still, more? Perseverance, yes, that uh, that one is also good. Okay, now there are few other you know, points you know, that certainly could be mentioned. As we know, mindfulness is or as the Buddha has stated, mindfulness is helpful everywhere, and certainly this for sure does apply to the hindrance of skeptical <coughs> doubt. So then we want to bring mindfulness satna, to na, this hindrance. Now, in the context of satna, the Satipatthana meditation practice that we're doing here, this satna then, or the relevant instructions, na, then na, can be found in the fourth establishment of mindfulness, namely Dhamma Nupasana Satipatthana. And I'm not going to go into this you know, to you know, a great extent, just mentioning a few you know, details and just focusing on you know, the hindrance of skeptical doubt. Dhamma Nupasana Satipatthana is mindful contemplation of Dhammas, so dhammas are your phenomena or particular specific mental qualities or specific categories. One of those categories mentioned 
under Dhammanupasana is or one one of the yes specific mental qualities are your five hindrances and among those the hindrance of skeptical doubt. Now the Satipatthana instructions on the hindrances is fortunately more specific, more detailed than what we would usually say, just be mindful of the skeptical doubt. Now, it says, if skeptical doubt is present in oneself, know there is skeptical doubt in me. If skeptical doubt is not present in me, one knows there is no skeptical doubt in me. And so this is your presence-absence condition. And then thirdly, one knows how unreason skeptical doubt can arise, how a reason skeptical doubt can be removed, and how a future arising of skeptical, uh, of the removed skeptical doubt, can be prevented. So, basically, the Satipatthana Sutta, in its uh, explanations on the fourth establishment of mindfulness, speaks of five conditions, five ways of dealing with. Uh, 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 the hindrances. The first one is the presence and absence condition, to know this. Then, first and second, and then if uh, uh, the hindrance of skeptical doubt is arising, to, to know the conditions that lead to the arising, if present, you know, to know you know, the conditions that lead to the removal, and if the hindrance of skeptical doubt has been temporarily removed to know the condition that leads to the ultimate, to the final uh, uh, prevention or um, cessation of, or final cutting off of skeptical doubt. Now, just briefly on this presence and absence certain condition. Especially new retreatants who are not familiar with the hindrances may take a couple of days before they uh, realize or recognize, oh, this hindrance or that hindrance has arisen in my stream of consciousness before they realize skeptical doubt as skeptical doubt. And prior to this realization, skeptical doubt will be going on. All these many questions will come up in the mind. One will take, take this as the most normal you know, condition in, uh, or of the mind and will tolerate it and will not recognize, oh, this is skeptical doubt. And as a result of this, one will not be mindful of it. 
But as soon as one realizes for oneself, or because of the prompting of a teacher, one realizes, oh, this is skeptical doubt, then one starts paying attention to it, and that satna then will help to then eventually overcome the skeptical doubt. Now, to be aware of the absence condition, of skeptical doubt is equally that or important because if one realizes skeptical doubt is absent then certain consequences are likely to follow for example faith might arise and this might be accompanied by gladness, joy and tranquility and so on and so forth. Now, the third instruction given with regard to skeptical doubt is if skeptical doubt is arising to know the conditions that lead to uh, its arising. So if one frequently gives careless attention to mm, skeptical doubt and just tolerates it, accepts it, thinks it to be the most normal thing in the world, doesn't do anything about it, then this will strengthen a certain habit of the mind, a certain inclination of the mind, and you'll end up with more and more skeptical doubt. So this is in the text certainly referred to as the nourishment for the arising of doubt. The opposite to this is the denourishment of doubt, which happens when we do pay attention to it and we do give wise attention to you know, the presence of, the presence of skeptical doubt as well as uh, um, you know, seeing the difference between wholesome states, unwholesome states and uh, the like. Now, If skeptical doubt has been temporarily um, abandoned, then its ultimate, its uh, complete cutting off will happen with the realization of the first uh, noble path, namely the path of stream entry. So with this, it gets cut off once and certainly forever. So mindfulness, and certainly in particular mm, the fourth establishment of mindfulness, can be taken as one a way, one approach to deal with the hindrance of skeptical doubt, as well as you know, with you know, the other uh, hindrances. Now, when we look at the text, 
especially you know, the Bojanga Samyutta, namely the collection of discourses on the enlightenment factors or awakening factors mm, as given in the Samyutta Nikaya, then we find you know, several passages that describe a contrast between the uh, hindrances and the enlightenment factors, certain hindrances and certain enlightenment factors. So, for instance, a contrast being made between the hindrance of sloth and torpor and the awakening factor of energy, virya-sambhujanga. And then the hindrance of restlessness and remorse and that being contrasted with the enlightenment factor of tranquility, tranquility, pasadi, sambhujanga. Now, in the case of skeptical doubt, this gets contrasted <coughs> with which mental factor, with which awakening factor? Faith. 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 Is faith an enlightenment factor? It's not? Investigation. There you go. Investigation of states. Dhamma vichya sambhujanga in the Pali scriptural language. Now, skeptical doubt arises because of a lack of clarity about what is wholesome and what is unwholesome. There's a statement to this effect in the Samyutta Nikaya as well as in the Diga Nikaya. So, not certain clearly understanding. Now, from an experiential point of view, so from a meditator's point of view, when we start with our meditation practice and we observe physical and mental phenomena, and we become you know, somewhat skilled in this, gradually, which understanding will arise. Nama Rupa, this is correct. So, discerning material phenomena from mental phenomena, and which other understanding will arise. So, let's say anger comes up, and you understand this to be what? A wholesome mental state or an unwholesome mental state? Hmm? Unwholesome. unwholesome. Okay. And then, let's say, tranquility of mind, calmness, peacefulness of mind arises, and you understand this to be wholesome or unwholesome? Wholesome. Okay. So, in the presence, or when different mental factors arise, some, you know, some wholesome, some unwholesome, gradually the mind learns to make this distinction between wholesomeness and unwholesomeness. It learns that, and this is really ex- not on an exper- exper- experiential point of or an experiential basis, gradually one you know, further learns 
that when unwholesome mental states are prevalent in the mind, we feel happy or unhappy? Unhappy. And when wholesome mental states suddenly arise and are present, then this is conducive to our unhappiness? Not really, to our happiness. And it is in this way, in a very basic way, that suddenly some initial understanding um, arises, some initial discernment of wholesomeness and unwholesomeness arises. And this then uh, paves uh, the road for, uh, a further, uh, for uh, this investigation of states. And you know, making this different you know, differentiation between unwholesome and certain you know, wholesome you know, states. And that then helps certain you know, to you know, dispel you know, the skeptical doubt. Now, there are other ways of overcoming skeptical doubt, and since we're already uh, beyond Satna the hour, let me just Satna highlight, just give you the headings. So, uh, knowledge of the scriptures, asking questions about them, so inquiring, going, approaching one Satna teacher, seeking clarification. Then, familiarity with you know, the precepts, then firm conviction in the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha, but this certainly could be more of a resultant you know, rather you know, than a way of approaching you know, or overcoming a, a, a skeptical doubt. Noble friendship and listening to a discourse. Now, From a practical point of view, one could add simply taking the arising of, or the, the arising of the presence of uh, you know, the hindrance of skeptical doubt as a challenge, as an opportunity to learn something about this mental, uh, particular mental state, and then to transform it into something else. So it's kind of like Aikido. In Aikido, people do what? They transform an aggressive energy into you know, something positive. And that's certainly in terms of movement. Now, as mentioned earlier on, if we see you know, the presence of foot you near know, the hindrance of skeptical doubt as an opportunity, then you know, we can learn a lot about this skeptical doubt, and certainly you know, this will also help us to strengthen our mind. Maybe you know, one more practical uh, aspect would be not to buy into, not to believe those doubting you know, thoughts as certain you know, they are occurring. <coughs> now, when we manage to overcome the hindrance of fitness, skeptical doubt, then we are likely to experience a mind in which the skeptical doubt has been 
abandoned and with this satna then wholesome states are likely to arise and among them faith and confidence and trust now Having removed doubt and overcome perplexity, a stream enter will gain fearlessness and also becomes independent of others in regard to you know, the teacher's dispensation, the Buddha's dispensation. What this means, your faith becomes unshakable and certainly even if some eloquent speaker or philosopher comes around and you know, tries to convince you of you know, the relevance of some other philosophy or you know, religious tradition, you just can't buy into it anymore. Now, working with the hindrance of skeptical doubt is uh, then, and being mindful of whatever comes up, is likely to lead to the so-called purification through overcoming doubt, one of the purifications, one of the seven purifications, Satavisuddhi, and known in the Pali scripture language as Kanka Vitarana Visuddhi, Kanka meaning doubt. And that's the second, your second insight knowledge. And the question that was asked earlier on, namely whether formations are happening because of me am i you know, the one who's making things happening um, or not well the answer to this question comes up namely one realizes that through you know, direct observation there are just these physical and mental formations occurring and they occur owing to what conditions there you go now, owing to causes, relevant causes and conditions. So not owing, to, not because of me interfering, controlling or manipulating, nor occurring because of some hypothetical entity such as some supreme being, but rather or just because of certain conditions. So that is one of the results of overcoming skeptical doubt. Now, the text further state, and there's a statement to this effect in the Anguttara Nikaya 5, section 147. Once doubt has been overcome, then only will it become possible to eradicate passion, anger, and delusion. So in other words, if we have not yet totally eradicated the hindrance of skeptical doubt, we will not be able to move further ahead in our practice and eradicate the hindrances of greed, anger, and delusion. In 
align with what Sadhna had been mentioned earlier on from the Chit, from the Bhayabhirawa Sutta. A person who, whose mind has been freed from uh, skeptical doubt will no longer be afraid to practice in a secluded, uh, remote, certain place, even if this is a dense, certain forest, certain thicket. So mm, one becomes certain somewhat fearless. Now, as Sadhana mentioned earlier on, the overcome or by attaining this noble path of stream entry, skeptical doubt will be cut off once and forever, forever. And as such, one becomes known as someone who has overcome doubt, Dina Nwichikicha in the Pali scriptural language. Now, with this, one then gains an unshakable faith. And this faith then cannot be questioned any more. Now, the last point for today is an interesting one, namely that we do not try to overcome doubt simply by having faith or forcing ourselves to have faith, confidence, trust in the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha, but rather through carefully investigating what is certainly happening um, with the different objects, thus gaining some understanding and with understanding and clear-cut experiences, then some initial faith arises. Every time we make a new dis- we investigate and make a new discovery, our faith and confidence will increase a bit more and ultimately in this certain way it will lead us to unshakable faith. Allow me to conclude today's Dhamma talk on the hindrances and especially on the hindrance of further skeptical doubt by wishing may we apply the fourth establishment of mindfulness as suddenly given in dealing with skeptical doubt, may we also make good use of the enlightenment factor of investigation of states and other means Satnet mentioned to first learn and understand the nature of skeptical doubt and then to develop the strength to overcome this state and ultimately may we gain the path of stream entry May this uh, uh, consequently uh, bring about the total cutting off of skeptical doubt. May this happen during this very retreat here in the Taos Ski Valley. And this is it for tonight.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.